0: hello everyone and welcome back to his only vice the film podcast where we discuss the movies that shaped us you guys you're in for a real treaty treat treat in your trick-or-treat bags happy halloween (laughs) it's literally not halloween not even close but you are in for a treat um so you might recognize that voice if you're a listener of this narrative podcast if you've been following (laughs) episode to episode um Please welcome back into your ears one of my favorite squirrel friends, a queen of my absolute L, the one, the only Claire Itztrum. Hi.
1: Hi, so bad. Oh, yeah. so glad to be back. I'm so freaking pumped. This is going to be the most fun episode yeah. ever. I'm really excited. So,
0: we have a special episode, a special themed episode because you guys know I like to do those every now and then. Um, since we already got to know Claire, like all of her tastes and everything. Um, all my tastes. All all the tastes, yeah. <laughs> and if you haven't listened to her episode, we did, you know, ad nauseum go over how much we love the birdcage. So go ahead, go listen to that, get a taste, get a feel for the taste level because it's, it's so high. chaotic.
1: Yeah, oh, it's very ep- it's a chaotic episode. <laughs>
0: that episode has to be taken off the radio for sure. So go listen to <laughs> yeah. it while you can.
1: If we both get Um, any sort of platform that needs to come down immediately, (laughs)
0: yes. Um, But we are going to do a themed episode, and this is actually Claire's idea. So I'll, um, I'm I'm giving you co-producer credit. Okay.
1: Oh oh man, where's my Um, money though?
0: Right, where's where's my money? Contact
1: my manager.
0: Right, I'll (sighs) have my people contact your people. Yeah. Okay. Um, This episode, you guys, is going to be based entirely around scores and soundtracks. Woo! Applause. Um should we just jump in? Like I think we just need to like go. We have I mean, there's, hell yeah. there's so much there's to So discourse.
1: there's a lot of ground to cover for sure. So I think getting going would be super good. Yeah. Um but I wanted but, I wanted to ask a quick surprise question okay. to just sort of shake your shake your core.
0: You're literally the co-host of this podcast now.
1: I know. I'm just breaking on through. Okay, I go ahead while I sip know... this
0: waddy wadi wall.
1: When you were like a wee little film baby, do you mm-hmm. remember the first movie moment with music that really changed the way that you see music in movies? Can Absolutely. you remember a big moment? Tell Thriller me. Thriller.
0: And 13 going on 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which me and Claire, okay, quick tangent. Me and Claire went to the cemetery in Sleepy Hollow one day. Oh one my God. When we were both living in New York. And- We were walking through the woods, and fucking Thriller starts playing, like, out of nowhere. Do you remember that?
1: No, that was so, that was actually insane. Where was that coming from? I don't even know.
0: We couldn't even find We were
1: literally in a cemetery. We, like, ended up walking to this, like, street. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because we were going to go to this, like, street fair kind of thing, but it was, like, we found out miles away from where this cemetery was. So, like, had no idea where somebody could be blasting Thriller. It might have Literally. come from the great beyond. Who yeah, there,
0: there's, there's, there's two moments really. Thriller in 13 Going 30 when they dance and Mark Ruffalo realizes he's still in love with Jennifer Garner. And mm-hmm. um, um, old time rock and roll and risky business.
1: Oh, when, that's so great.
0: When Timmy Tom, uh, tiny Timmy Tom back in the day come yeah. sliding out in his little socks. And then I was that character for um, Halloween once, of course, because I'm what? Basic and white. Anyway, what are yours? <laughs> What's your number think one first memory?
1: My biggest one is probably twist and shout into Donka Shane from Ferris Bueller when he's on the Work. float. Yes. It's so good and everybody dancing in unison and they show just like so many types of people, so many families just like ripping it up to this kid. Yeah. It's so great and magical.
0: I can't believe that's not And you like... can sort of tell No, keep going
1: You can sort of tell that that's when like Cameron kind of is coming around to thinking That Ferris may be the hero of his life Because he's just like, look at what this guy can do
0: Yes, I can't believe they haven't made that, that Into like a Mamma Mia-esque Musical comedy yet
1: <laughs> Please don't I don't want anybody to ever do that <laughs> I would be so Because what, upset. say
0: it with me, theater is dead
1: Canceled <laughs>
0: anyway okay you guys so the structure of this episode because we are gonna get right to it we're gonna strap on the saddle and mount that horse okay Oh yes crazy um, what we're gonna do is basically we're just gonna get everyone up to speed real quick of you know a quick little list of like legendary um, film composers current superstars in the, the you know composing industry um, mention some names that you should know because they'll probably be mentioned going forward um, also encouraging you like if you don't know these names you don't know these movies pause do a quick little read up come back to us
1: yeah for sure
0: putting in airtime for pause
1: ding ding
0: ding 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 welcome back okay so why don't we oh and disclaimer the film composition and scoring industry is largely white and male so if anyone so if anyone would like to introduce us to some up and coming, some people we don't know, some blind spots, some women, some women of color, some trans women, some indigenous men, some queer people, any minority yes. group of composers, please tell us, because right now, or please get them a music on film contract, because we need yeah. them. So that's my This is bit- the
1: message. This is the message to all the successful Hollywood people listening in right now. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. Which is so many. Everybody, (laughs) please get bring in some more women into your music room, some more women of color, especially some LGBTQ, some trans women. It's very much lacking in that sphere. And I would love to get some more perspectives yes so we we
0: we thought it important to give that disclaimer so that you don't think like oh they only know white composers well mama there just only is white composers these days so let's there's a freaking
1: wealth of white composers right
0: (laughs) um so with that said um let's look at this list of all male composers um okay so i
1: have some yeah what'd you say I have, I have some broadening, but there's really yeah. not a lot. Which I is mean, same, same, same,
0: same. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, names you should know and, or names you'll probably hear going forward. Um, John Williams. So, everything Duh. you've ever loved or ever known or ever left a theater humming was written by John Williams, I promise you this. His work mm-hmm. includes but is not limited to Star Wars. I mean, hello. Jaws. Hello. Jaws changed the game. Harry Potter, the like the Hedwig theme theme um oh
1: yeah indiana
0: jones indiana jones et schindler's list saving private ryan the list goes on and on and on so john williams Truly an icon john williams will be a big name you'll hear a a lot around anyone that's talking about film scores yep
1: yep, yep. then
0: uh another we have is hans zimmer so think christopher Mm -hmm. nolan think dark brooding big think inception interstellar the dark uh, night trilogy um he did the scoring for uh preacher's wife for uh, prince of egypt so like all those songs that weren't already, you know, pop songs that they put into those movies. He wrote. Um yeah. he did let's see uh he did Hidden Figures and this year he did um Hillbilly Elegy, which L O L. It's crazy that they had such a fantastic composer and such a shitty movie. Um, yeah, he's crazy.
1: Okay. I feel like he really brought into popularity kind of a more subtle, tonal score that yeah, leaves a is... lot of room for the drama to raise on its own as yeah. opposed to being guided so heavily by the music.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Hans is the real damn deal. Um, yeah, he's
1: very atmospheric, and we yes, love that. Yes,
0: yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexandre Desplat, so that is... Uh, oh, icon! He is an icon, my and he is the only person I can think of in recent memory... That's been nominated three or four years in a row. Um, yeah. He, d- he does all your artsy faves, right? Think Shape of Water, Grand Budapest Hotel, Little Women, yeah. Rise Kingdom. But he also then turns around and does, he did the final two Harry Potter movies and he did Twilight New Moon. So, you know, he's got what range, honey?
1: Range. Um,
0: so Alexandra is, a, is a, he's a, he's a crowd favorite for sure. I know tons of people who know him by name and, and tons of people who love his work. Oh, yeah, when um, everybody
1: hated Bella's lullaby, they were like, "We got to get a real G in here." Sorry, Carter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Alexandre. Um, and Alexandre. next we have Thomas Newman. Um, he's a fan <gasps> of. I know. He Thomas Newman is another Mine. prolific, prolific score composer. You guys, like, if you don't know his work, his his list is like, he, he's probably the only person who can rival John Williams in terms of pure scope and breadth of of work. Yeah. Right?
1: So I mean, and I feel like a lot of people don't take him so seriously because he does a lot of the Pixar, like the, a lot of the older Pixar movies, like Finding Nemo and Wally. Yes, but they're amazing they're scores. Amazing like scores. they're beautiful. They're probably some of my favorite work of his. And also the series of Unfortunate Events score. Yes, is low key one of the best scores ever, in my opinion. I think and it is so creative. And Ugh, think of how so like good.
0: emotional you get just thinking about those movies or watching those movies that Claire yeah. just mentioned. Right, like they all have a very specific feel. He's also the person who's like he He's a, a recent um like long or a hardcore collaborator of sam mendez he did you know the the um, mm-hmm. skyfall inspector he did 1917 but he also had like a huge uh pull in the 80s 90s early 2000s he did um green mile Shawshank redemption american beauty he did the old a lot of old pixar american stuff, like beauty Clarison. uh yeah, american beauty what did i say
1: People know that. People know that score, that American Beauty score. Some of those songs. People know that even without having seen the movie, they don't even know where it's from, but that music is familiar to them. It's just so he has such a specific sound. I remember that documentary. I can't remember what it was called. I watched it on an airplane. It came out that was like four really famous hollywood score writers talking about kind of their process and oh, what yeah. they oh through.
0: i don't remember what that, that was,
1: was. A, that's a great documentary maybe we can google it and figure it out so we can recommend it before this is done but mm-hmm. thomas newman was one of them and his collection of instruments i can't even like call them instruments because half of them are just like things to make a noise with but like <laughs> it's just so it's so many things i've never seen a collection that large And he's just so interested with, like, coming up with new sounds. I find it so fascinating. Yeah, he is.
0: He's prolific, y'all. You got to get into that if you haven't. Yeah. Um, And then another one that we included uh, are the – this is a duo, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross – um, oh. He did all your you know Fincher faves, Social Network, Gone Girl, Dragon Tattoo, and he also is responsible for this year's Soul, um, Pixar's new movie Soul, which I thought...
1: That is so, that's cool. I didn't ma- know that.
0: That maybe has the best score this year. I absolutely loved it. Um, who else? Uh, Ludwig Gornson, who you guys... Um, he is like... A, he will be... I, I included him because I think he will be the next great... Um, You know him from Ryan Coogler stuff like, you know, Fruitvale Station and Black Panther. I believe, as legend goes, they were maybe roommates at USC or something. And then Mm -hmm. um, Christopher Nolan just snatched him up for Tenet. And he also just won an Emmy because he does, you know, uh, The Mandalorian. And he won an Emmy for that. Um, And he also has a a, a big TV background and popular music composition background. He did all the music for Community, which linked him up with Donald Glover. And that is wild. For you, pop oh, music wait. people, Ludwig Göransson um, produced "This Is America." So that like huge moment, that huge music video, that Grammy-winning moment. Um, yeah, he is He's coming up. For that. If not yeah, already so, fully up, he's oh, definitely coming up. He's like fully up, like in the um, um, like pop music world. And now that he fully right. has an Oscar, he's like diving deep into the music world. Uh, yeah. Awaken My Love or Awake My Love, whatever that Childish Gambino album is. I think it's Awaken My Love. He produced that. So yeah, anyway, he is going to be a a big name. So look him up. Um, And then talking about some more old legends, um, Ennio Morricone, who basically just like... Decided what Western movies were going to sound like. Uh, contemporary audiences would know him from his finally, what some might say his finally Oscar winning um, movie, The Hateful Eight. He's a- uh,
1: Longest a, movie in the world. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> he, he was a um, frequent collaborator of Quentin Tarantino towards the end of his life. He did just pass away recently. Uh, and then we yeah, got Howard- Iconic Sh- guy. Iconic guy. Uh, any spaghetti Western you ever loved, he probably his name's probably attached. Um, sure. Howard Shore, of course. He's like the other, he's the other Fincher guy. He He's responsible mm-hmm. for, you know, Panic Room 7, The Game. He is, of course, most iconically known for his scoring of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit franchises. And he was also the original music director for Saturday Night Live. So that oh, is a fun, fun fact about him. And then, of course, Love we that. have to tack on that he also, um, to add to the list of Twilight composers, he composed Twilight Eclipse.
1: <laughs> We're going to talk about Twilight probably at least five times because I know we're going to circle back to it at one point for one of my favorite category (laughs) things which is cringe but that's that will open a whole avenue of mind-blowing shit that I know I'm going to throw at you in terms of music supervision a connector of many things so yeah
0: um and then we just have two more um we have James Newton Howard who is the man who is behind uh The Hunger Games uh he is also the other half of um, Hans Zimmer with the Batman-Nolan uh, trilogy. Uh, my personal favorite of his is Michael Clayton. I just love how anxious that movie is because of the score. Um, and he also was a very frequent collaborator of M. Night Shyamalan. He did Six Sense. He did, you know, Lady in the Water. He's he's done like nine of his movies. And then one that we can't go without saying is Max Steiner, who is largely considered the father of modern film scoring. Um, his most famous, you know, talking pictures being King Kong, Gone with the Wind, and Casablanca. So he is nice sort of- I on
1: one more after you're done with this one? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He's sort of the more. guy that is like, sort of set the standard of what modern film scoring could look like when movies started to be talking and even furthermore in color. Um, oh, yeah. Who are you going to add, sis?
1: I was going to add Bernard Herrmann, who did okay. all of the Hitchcock movies.
0: Yes, queen. He's like- Oh, Psycho is on there. I it. know.
1: Oh, you know Psycho is on my list, too. Like, literally, probably.
0: We didn't discuss this beforehand, by the way. Our favorites, the favorite (laughs) section, we did not discuss. So Mm -hmm. we're going to be surprising each other, too.
1: I know. I'm very excited. But he, especially for me, since I've, I don't know if you know this, but I've recently started scoring a little bit, which has been a really fun new avenue. And I've almost exclusively done horror stuff. And Mm -hmm. I have found so much inspiration in the genre, which I never thought I really would because I didn't really gel with horror movies growing up. Mm-hmm. Music wise, but especially the psycho soundtrack, I'm like, wow, all of this comes from here. Like all of modern horror movie scoring, even a lot of Han Zimmer, like comes from this inspiration, yeah. which yeah he's an icon. He did the Twilight Zone. Like he's he's God to me. So Yeah.
0: He's he's yeah. the real damn deal too. Like even if you guys don't know that name, like that
1: ee, ee,
0: ee, ee sound, that's because of him. Yeah. So you actually yeah. do know his work. You just don't know it yet.
1: <laughs> and Sondheim, Stephen Sondheim has listed him as like one of his biggest yeah com- composition inspirations. He's yeah. like, without that score, I couldn't have written Sweeney Todd. So I'm like, well, there you go. That's you That's it. quality if you... If you need quality, that's quality. So. And
0: then uh, before we get into our favorites, um, and we'll explain how we set that section up, um, there's just a couple more highlights slash people to look out for that, I think. So another name that you guys should know is Rachel Portman, who was the first woman to win an Academy Award for scoring. Um, you might have, in the, uh, last, at last year's Oscars, when Hilda won, um, you might have heard a lot of r- a rumble about, oh, well, this is the first woman to ever win the best... Um, Film scoring Oscar. That is sort. Mm-hmm. That's only sort of true. So, back in the '90s, they split the score um, Oscar between dramatic yes. and um, like musical or comedy. And Rachel Portman won in the musical or comedy category. Hilda just won this past year for The Joker for since post since they've turned it into just the best score Oscar. So yes, there is some. She is the first woman to win that Oscar. But the first woman to win an Oscar for scoring a film is a woman named Rachel Portman. Um, you guys have probably seen tons of her stuff and not even realized it. Like, she's done so many feel-good movies. The one that she won her Oscar for is Emma, which is the 1996 starring Gwyneth. With Gwyneth. Mm -hmm. Gwyneth. Um, But she also did, like, Cider House Rules, that was another one of her Oscar nominations. Um, she did, she got another Oscar nomination for Chocolat. She did Mona Lisa's Smile. She did The Emperor's New Clothes. She did Because of Winn-Dixie. So she has like a long list of like really fun. Oh, wow.
1: Because um, of Winn-Dixie, and iconic I know, film. Right? <laughs> Dakota! Uh, okay. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, so she has, she's a name that you should know. And then um, in terms of up-and-comers uh, that I think you should know, um, You should definitely know the name Nicholas Bertel. Um, Mm. Nicholas Bertel is behind um, Barry Jenkins' two uh, most recent features, Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk. He is also the writer of the music for Succession. So all you Succession oh, fans yes. out there um, talk about an effective television score. Yeah. Um, and then the other up-and-comer that I think you should know is a person named Micah Lee or Micah Lay. I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce their name. Um, this is a non-binary composer whose uh, artistic or uh, like. stage name is Mikachu. Um, this person did uh, Under the Skin, which is a crazy um, Jonathan Glazer movie starring Natalie Portman, or Natalie Portman, Scarlett Johansson. Crazy, cool. crazy, crazy score. So you should definitely watch that. Sick. And uh, Mikachu was also nominated for an Oscar for uh, Jackie, the movie about oh. Kennedy starring
1: Natalie Portman,
0: which is where I just messed up. Um, starring
1: Scarlett Johansson. Right. Right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Natch, snatch. Um, so you should know both of those names. Um, I just wanted to throw those out there because I think they're both going to have really big careers. Um, Mikachu is actually attached to that movie Zola about the Twitter threat. Oh! So, Mika is going to, um, score that. So, that should be it. That's
1: freaking great. And again, can't say it enough. I want to bolster as many sort of composers that are not old white guys yeah, as we for possibly sure, can. For sure, for sure.
0: And Mika is the only non-binary person to be nominated for an Oscar for best score. So
1: hot an damn. Important, an important name it's to know 2021, about. y'all. What's going on? Let's mm-hmm. let's change that. I know this we have so much power here with this podcast to make a positive change. So I
0: agree, sis. Let's
1: influence the children. I agree. You know
0: and, and it's it's sad. There's only been five non-male nominees for best um, score.
1: Literally, want to rip my ears out. How and, can that be?
0: Um, yeah, I know is not that insane. And Rachel. I know Portman exactly how it like can be. It's not surprising. But <laughs> no, there's there's yeah. there's three other women other than Rachel, but Rachel has been nominated three times. I think it's only. I think it's three.
1: Yes, Rachel.
0: I know we we stand, we stand, we stand. Um, we stand. Okay, so with those names in mind, because they might come up again, and just want to get everyone on the same page, get that essentials checklist going. Yee! The way we decided to break this down is we are going – Claire and I each chose, without consulting each other, what Mm -hmm. we think are three iconic scores that everyone knows, like whether they know it or not. We chose our three favorite scores. Subjective, obviously. And then we chose three iconic soundtracks, you know, soundtracks we think everyone knows. And then our favorite soundtracks. So we set it up on, like, iconic, you know – tried to be objective about how many people we think know the music um yeah
1: because or- see even when you sent like iconic the way that you described iconic was different than the way that i received it being iconic for there me it go. was like things that really changed the way that music gets made for movies or the way that music gets considered in movies. Even better and they may not necessarily be things that everybody knows but i think that they are things that everybody was affected by affected by yeah so a great
0: watershed moments that you might not even know and you know oh yeah um great so do you want to go do you want to go backwards should we go three to one three to one
1: yes let's do three to one
0: okay cool 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 let's start with iconic scores shall we oh and claire do you want to um take a stab at or i know you can but would you like to explain to the listeners the difference between a score and a soundtrack
1: oh shit i mean I can try it probably I probably should have looked this up and I also have one of my favorite things that I think could go either way could be considered both a score and a soundtrack mm-hmm. because I think those lines can get blurred sometimes
0: yeah I think like a I, I think a score can be a soundtrack but I'm mm-hmm. um, wait what's that I'm trying I'm trying to do the rectangle square thing not every yes. rectangle is a square but um ba- okay well, so basically like um A score I would consider uh, music written specifically for a Mm -hmm. film, and a soundtrack is taking other people's work and putting it into your movie for the progression of the plot or the feel or whatever.
1: Yeah, I'd say scoring Mm -hmm. is like taking a scene down to its barest bones and not trying to put any sort of outside message on it, because Mm -hmm. soundtracking, it's like... It's trying to take you to a time. It's a trying place, to an emotion. give you a certain sure. feeling. It's trying to jog some memory in you, some sort of nostalgia, because you may know this song, or you may this song may take you to a specific place and time in your life. But scoring is just sort of like, uh, literally, underscoring right the action, giving with the something emotional yeah, new. yeah yeah yeah.
0: All right, love that. So with our Hell little yeah. ragtag definition there, um, you want to give us your number three for iconic?
1: Yes, I do. Okay, hit me. Okay, my number three for iconic scores was Quincy Jones' score for In Cold Blood. The (laughs) 1960s. I
0: should have known, you dumb, dumb little girl. Okay, I'm an In Cold
1: Blood stan. I love the story. I love the book.
0: If you guys are not familiar with Claire's obsession, get ready.
1: With true crime in general, but this is where it all began for me was In Cold Blood. And specifically when I first saw Capote and then I went back and saw in Cold Blood.
0: Capote by Quincy Jones. The great Philip Seymour Hoffman.
1: Yes, and Quincy Jones' father to the great Rashida Jones. Mm
0: -hmm. So just a stellar,
1: Mm -hmm. stellar family in general. A little pop culture connection. This score does so many things. I feel like it's so... It shows off his mastery of genre in so many ways because there's like deep string drama moments and then there's also like solo classic guitar banjo small town moments and I just think that it it captures all of the specific people so well because there's so many different types of people in this little town it really speaks to all of them and i think mm-hmm. that it makes it just swells so well and i also knew that i wanted to include a musician of color in my list as well because that's necessary and yeah, i wanted to be sure. so white all the time and this score did really affect me the first time that i heard it i think i watched this movie for the first time in college and i was like wow this yeah. is underscored musically in such a vast, broad way. Who the fuck did this? And then I looked it up and was like, oh, obviously it was Quincy Jones. Who else could have done this? So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my number three.
0: And to, to connect everything, friends, uh, to connect us to His Only Vice and how I love um, the Academy Awards, uh, Quincy Jones was actually the first um, Black person to be nominated for two Oscars in the same year. Um, so that's, a, that's a fun little thing he was also the first black um conductor of the academy awards broadcast and he uh produced on thriller michael jackson's album
1: yeah so he there we are really, we're, we're, we're
0: we're wrapping all of our our connections in today
1: he has such a vast experience in the music industry as a whole so for him to narrow it down so much to like a two-hour narrative yeah with all of his skill i think is just it was great i loved
0: yeah. it yeah yeah Yeah. Um, Okay. Love that. Um, Okay. My number three, actually, okay. I'm going to be a dumb basic bitch and say that I have a tie. Okay. That's fine. And here's why. Um, They are horror films and I just don't think people understand how important a score is to a horror film. So I'm so glad you brought it up. It's everything. Yeah. That's why why I've been loving
1: it. That's why I've been been loving scoring horror because it is so involved. I feel so involved in the drama of everything and I love
0: that horror movies do not work without scores. I'm sorry, but the reason you jump in a horror movie is because the music flares or there's a sound effect flare. Some There is some sort of auditory response and that is what makes a a, a horror movie uh, like a jumpy scary movie or a jump scare, right? Like this this kind of colloquial term we use in horror film, it is because of scores.
1: And that's what I think differentiates a horror movie that it's not, I don't want to say like crap, but a horror movie that's maybe not taken so seriously as opposed to a horror movie that goes down as like being a fine a prestige, piece yeah. of craft. Yeah. yeah. So, like, something like, I won't ever say that this movie is bad, but something like Blair Witch Project or like Paranormal Activity, they don't have scores that necessarily stand out to you that you remember. Right. Cause they're I going think... for like
0: found footage, like, type of scrappy yeah. little And I think
1: that that's why they kind by of. Anna yeah. But they, they totally could have. Yeah. it could have es- escalated them into something else but they yeah. they didn't go for that
0: so to connect to some names that um we discussed earlier we've already talked about both these gentlemen i put jaws and psycho as my number 3 uh, um psycho amazing. is bernard herman like we were talking about and jaws is of course the great john williams um i just i don't think people fully grasp how influential both of those movies are and both of those scores yeah. are right so like um Jaws first of all is largely considered the first summer blockbuster like if you didn't know Steven Spielberg really invented that type of release um and the score on Jaws that da-dum, da-dum, that's only two notes
1: yeah so Dylan, they're both it's so funny that you chose both of them for the same slot because they're both on the surface so simple mm-hmm. like they don't really do a lot in terms but of other, music the other
0: the other brilliant part is their most famous parts are um like first first person direction too right so like when uh the the infamous shower scene in psycho happens it makes you feel like you're the killer and in jaws you are swimming under in that opening scene you are swimming as jaws right so like i think the 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 evolution of the emotional stakes of those movies is so enhanced by those scores
1: yeah, that I was for like, sure. I have to just
0: include these, and we were we were talking how like everyone knows like, ee, 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 but they might not even know that that it was the work of Bernard Herman. And the other brilliant yeah. thing about Bernard Herman is he. Um took everything, he took that whole groundwork that um, Max Steiner laid down with like, oh, well, you know, scores have to come from the radio or they have to like, it has to be um, sort of a part of the world and was like, no, yeah. actually, it can just be its own thing that enhances the world, right?
1: And we can just, we can sort of combo because my number two is Psycho. So we can okay, kind great. of have so this we'll, conversation we'll right together. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Because it really, I mean, in terms of horror, in terms of underscoring any moment, I mean, it's almost, what is that word for like bugs bunnying, the way that music kind of follows and underscores the action so literally? Mm-hmm. Like when somebody jumps, like there's a sort of like uptick. A and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's, it almost does, Psycho almost does that in a way that yeah. it's so, it follows the action so exactly.
0: I mean, so does, so does Jaws, I think, like, and that's what I think also makes what makes, um, Star Wars good. It, it's what makes John Williams brilliant in general is he he is so every detail matters. He's so detail oriented and like it even like enhancing footsteps into like a cinematic event, right? So yeah. um that's that's why I chose those two. And of course, yeah. now we know that that's your number two choice. Um yeah. anything and to creating
1: add? a theme, like yeah, all of theme, these exactly. characters having their theme, and so even before you see the shark you hear the music and you know the shark is coming. Like, they're inside the boat playing a card game and you hear the underscore and you say, oh, shit, this shark yeah. is about to be here. So, yeah. like, it is so thoughtfully terrifying. And I, Jaws, really, even though it was kind of built, like you said, that first, like, summer blockbuster, it's kind of a family horror movie in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no, there's no, like, big sex. There's not a whole lot of, like, crazy swearing. The violence isn't even that gory because it doesn't necessarily look that real you don't see a lot yeah. of the like bloody gashes you just sort of see the blood yeah and thing like, happening rise up from the ocean <laughs> yeah exactly but it's not too it all of the gore isn't super realistic but i would remember being so terrified after watching yeah. jaws like, oh yeah yeah i was absolutely gripped
0: it's funny. With that's care. how I feel about um, Jurassic Park. I I, I had like a, that experience with Jurassic Park. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, this is supposed to be like an accessible movie, but I'm fucking terrified now.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy that the thing that people did and talked about, like the scary part of Jaws when they were recreating it, nobody's like putting the fin above the water. That's not the scary image. People are humming the music.
0: Right, 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 Like, right. so
1: it's not even the visual fear. It's and I remember, about the suspense from the music.
0: I remember learning that, that progression on the piano thinking I was so cool knowing <laughs> well it's like the most simple thing ever um okay That's so you're number two a psycho so anything yes. to add anything else that we didn't already discuss with that one
1: i mean not really i mean hitchcock movies are so stylized yeah. and they're so thought out i mean even though he was kind of a pig it turns out yeah he really did he really was the master of i think wes anderson kind of does this now too of like every single thing even the way that the camera is placed even the way that the zoom is being used like Mm -hmm. is all doing something yeah there's not a stone left unturned in Hitchcock movies and that's super clear with the music as well
0: yeah love that um my number two is um another John Williams score um I just I can't I I, it's like I don't
1: you say Harry Potter I'm fucking killing you
0: it's Harry Potter (laughs) yeah um it's harry potter and the uh the sorcerer's stone or philosopher's stone depending on where you're listening to this the first one um, at least
1: the at least yeah the first one's yeah, the best
0: the first one is the best um and it's where we we first hear the dum bum ba dum ba dum like i ju- it's like john williams has such an ear for earworms like he just yeah. like and i think what it is it is it's such an astute observation Claire, is that he gives characters themes like that song is called hedwig's theme so it's like yeah it's sort of the first thing we see when we see that first like harry potter thing come up yeah um and i don't really there's not there's not really much to say about it because like
1: and it, it seems like is, a like, very those obvious movies are thing scored so beautifully yeah it seems so obvious like oh give it the iconic character a theme but like that doesn't happen all the time
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: it's, it's just, I mean, he really is the master of it. And I think people are like, well, if you make a theme for a character, you're doing the John Williams thing now. And people kind of think that that's his like,
0: I mean, he like, in, he like invented that. Like he, yeah. like, p- characters become iconic because of their theme song now because of John Williams. So it's like, um, yeah. it's like a chicken or the egg type of thing, right? Like is it an iconic character first or did John Williams make it an iconic character <laughs>
1: And I mean, this is kind of shallow, but it's a great way to make a fuck ton of money. Like any merchandise connected with that movie. Like the pin, I was like thinking like the pinball game of Harry Potter has that fucking John Williams music in it. And he's probably making money from that. Like that's wild to me.
0: Yeah. He's also one of the most Oscar nominated people in the history of the Academy Awards. I think he has like 20 Oscar nominations or something. Rich. He's rich. And he has five wins, so.
1: Good for you, dude.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I much there's deserved. not much else to say about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So we'll just go to your number one, shall we?
1: Yeah. Okay. Drum roll my
0: disease.
1: My number one, because oh my god, it's freaking good, and I'm a horror movie bitch, and I think that this movie score did more for horror movie scores than any, probably than since Psycho or Jaws. Okay. It's the drum roll. It's the. It Follows Score oh. by Disasterpiece. Mm-hmm. So good. So good, so good, so good, so good. Electronic scoring for horror movies is all anybody's fucking doing right now. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, that the second I heard it, I was like, this movie is good, but this music is amazing. Yeah. And everything, I really think if you put that movie on mute, it wouldn't be half as good.
0: No, that, that movie's villain is the music.
1: Yeah, literally.
0: It's an un- it's So if you so guys present. haven't seen on un- if you haven't seen it follows Friends. Um, basically the premise is they're being stalked by an unseeable um, we'll just call it entity. And with it's sort of
1: like a disease.
0: It, yeah, it's like a disease, basically. And um, it it does not work without the music. So if if you if you get a chance to watch that movie, watch it and pay special attention to the music.
1: It is it is a, that's it a is. great choice. And you're so right that the score is that villain and it is such a terrifying thing. And the fact that Disaster Piece was this sort of like electronic producer that up until then hadn't really been doing a lot of movie scoring yeah. and like fucking busted out with that. Yeah. It was next level and people are totally copying it. Like everybody does it. I see it in like horror TV, especially all the time. All yeah. these like electronic, even I rip it off. I rip it off all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean all of these electronic scores are like kind of doing trenton and atticus drag anyway but we'll get into mm-hmm. them again later oh yeah <laughs> um, for sure uh okay love that choice um and i would say that my number one is okay, it's so basic again but i'm like i'm listening to you name these like genre shifting things. no girl <laughs> even 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 more iconic and it's star wars um, oh, well. Again, like, I, I, I am so basic for choosing three John Williams scores, but, like... he no, re- you're fine. It really is, like, the moment with film scoring. Like, people know... People are interested in film scoring our age because of him.
1: Yeah, um, True.
0: So I just – I couldn't help but, like I, – I, you know what I was thinking of? I was, like, who, what theme songs would my parents know? That's what I was thinking about when I was writing this, like, iconic list because mm-hmm. they, they like to watch movies but not to the depth that we do. So, like, I was, like, what, what songs could I hum that they would be, like, oh, I know what movie that's from? Yeah. Bum, bum ba Like, it just, like uh, – I think
1: – uh I love the the Darth Vader music. Like the yes. bad guy music in Star Wars, it's yes. so good.
0: Yeah. So I mean it it yeah, I just like A New Hope is just of course one of yeah, the Yeah, it's best so words. exciting.
1: Yeah. It really is very it's really emotional. I think you, the Star Wars especially is very an emotional score for it sure. It is.
0: Because at heart those are um a pretty human story. And they're Westerns, right? So, like, they're, they're relying on, like, these big, you know, atmospheric uh, scores, yeah. um, which...
1: The victories are- in Star Wars are so unimaginable. Like, it's yeah. hard to relate to a lot of Star Wars, but I think the human emotion that the music invokes yeah is a real good connector, yeah, it helps at least for, it for me sure. with Star Wars. Yeah. Because I, I know a lot of the moments I'm like, I'm connecting and hearing the music and being manipulated. And that's when I love Star Wars.
0: Oh, yeah. You just get like so hype when you hear like that type of... And the 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 reason or the reason, um the moment that I really like really was like, okay, John Williams is really paying attention to detail and not phoning it in is how mm-hmm. fucking good the score was for Last Jedi. Oh,
1: my that, God. The most recent
0: one that came out. I was like, I is he kidding like he is still like top of his game like those battle sequences are scored for filth mama scored within an inch of their life so that's
1: when i was yeah afraid. and i also yeah. feel yeah. like it's rare i feel like it's rare for a score a score writer to stick with a franchise for that long too because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like even with harry potter he kind of dropped out after yeah. a while but yeah. he you can tell that he really cared about the music that he for sure yeah
0: he's yeah. taken that one straight he was to really the bank, excited honey. by it
1: yeah yeah Oh, and I'm sure it paid him handsomely, (laughs) just like Harry Potter paid him handsomely as well. Right, 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 right.
0: All right, so should we move on to our faves outside of, you know, the Hollywood multiplex um, expectations of, you know, genre and whatever? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, These ones are ones that I don't think really did anything except for one of them, but that one was doing the same thing. But just the ones that I I still listen to to this day. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'll start this time. Yeah, you go. Okay, cool. So my number three is um, The Social Network. We've mentioned Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross recently. Well, great,
1: because um, my number two is The Social Network. <laughs> great! So, so let's both talk us. about The Social Network.
0: Um, that score is cray, Zao. So I know um, yeah. I, I've, be, I've talked very openly about how I love David Fincher movies. Um, and how the social network like it's it's actually not my favorite fincher movie but i i understand that all the pieces are so perfect um like yeah i
1: want to have a conversation with you off i want to have a conversation with you off podcast about social network because i just watched it recently with dylan and had my brain like blown apart by some things about it like probably the relationship between david fincher and aaron sorkin like things that i didn't really pick up on but that i now looking back on Sorkin's opinion of Mark Zuckerberg and David Fincher's opinion on Mark Zuckerberg and how they might have diverted a little bit. Okay, so I'm going
0: to have to rewatch it. Now that I have like a little more life under my belt, I think I'm going to have to revisit it. Um, I think when I
1: watched it when it came out, I thought that Mark Zuckerberg might have been a cool dude. And I think now watching it back again and seeing that David Fincher definitely did not think that. Yeah. And directed this movie and aaron sorkin definitely did Or yeah. it's like a, it's a really interesting conversation between the two of them anyway um moving on maybe we'll
0: maybe we'll do another maybe i'll we'll have to be a three-time guest sis yeah um and we can do the social network exactly so what i find so brilliant about that is it is of course in a watershed electronic score but in terms of just yeah. like feel it feel like the anxiety of it is like there's, like, literally a song called, like, Sitting Anxiety or something. There's there's some song with anxiety in the title. Mm-hmm. It's also, it's so, cl- like, it's so clinical, but also evokes all this emotion, which is such a strange dichotomy because it's, like, it, it yeah, feels Yeah, like, on the like, surface,
1: it comes off kind of cold.
0: Right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. But you, but you, but it does get the job done of evoking emotion. So it's, like, okay, go yeah. absolutely off.
1: Um, and that electronic, that electronic version of "In the Hall of the Mountain King" is bitch. next level shit. It is w- so fucking good. I was gonna that, bring that scene up. is amazing. <laughs> I'm so
0: glad you brought that up. That's when the winged horse starts rowing. Right? Yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. 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 And that scene is filmed so well, and it's yeah. just like there's no words, but you can tell they're having a fucking breakdown, and it's just yeah. it's so great. I, I love mean, it so much.
0: David Fincher is one of the the great directors um, alive today. So like. Um, the pairing of these two is just like so perfect. And this is the movie that, you know, Trent addicts won their um, Oscar for. Um, I
1: remember that year being like, they better fucking win. This score is so good. Yeah. I remember listening to this score, like on the bus on the way to fucking high school.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was kind of mad that it won back then because um, it beat my number two, but I'll save my number oh. two.
1: Same year. Damn.
0: Same year. Yep. Why don't you give us your number three sister?
1: Oh, my number three is kind of dumb, but it's a score that I still love to listen to and brings me a lot of comfort. It's the Eternal Shuns the Eternal, Eternal Sunshine score Eternal Sunshine.
0: I knew by John Bryan. Yeah,
1: it's so good. I, I and he, knew that I mean, was coming. <laughs> it's so delightful. And there's only like maybe five original tracks that he actually wrote for the movie. I was gonna say, the is this the one it that is just you? Soundtracked. Were,
0: yeah, I was gonna say, is this the one you were saying could it be soundtracked or scored?
1: This isn't actually the one. The one oh. that I just, de- I just, I decided the one that I was debating on was just going to be a soundtrack, and I was just going to leave it at that. It probably mm-hmm. is a score though, so we'll pro- we'll come back to it. But um.
0: Well, you know, I, I love, love John this Bryan. one. He. Yeah, because like, he did so- Lady
1: Bird. Yeah,
0: and he did Magnolia, Hard Eight. He did all the the early PTA stuff.
1: Yeah, and he was kind of like. It's definitely like a modern music sound. It doesn't sound like a score. I I always wait when he when it's his music. I wait for the lyrics to come in because they sound like they're going to be a song, but they're not.
0: You know what I think is an even more emotional score of his from a different Charlie Kaufman movie is Synecdoche, New York. I thought the score was like a very, very important part of that movie. But anyway, we'll focus on Eternal
1: Sunshine. I just like Eternal Sunshine because the music is so familiar to me. Like I mean, that, his the theme, the beginning theme I've listened. It's probably one of my most played songs on Spotify. I just, it just sounds to me like the inside of my head. I just like, I love it. That movie is very special to me in many, many ways. And the score is no different. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah that's, that's, a, that's an excellent choice. Um, my number two, which beat my number three or which lost to my number three Is Inception by Mr. Hans Zimmer,
1: Uh, and this is where you and I part.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I knew I I was going to get an eye roll. Um, I I love big, dramatic, soapy, over the top, melodramatic. Like that score is so ridiculous. Like I was, I was. It's crazy. I was walking. So here's a little peek into my day. I was re-listening to scores today, and um, I was fucking grocery shopping with the Inception soundtrack like, playing in my head, waiting, cereal, for my life, waiting for my life to turn into a heist movie because it is so dramatic. It yeah. just heightened my reality times a million.
1: Yeah. And I guess, I think that's kind of like, I put on the Eternal Sunshine score when I'm at the grocery store to feel like sad and mopey and like sort of nostalgic and far away. And I like feel wistful when I listen to it. Yeah. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean but yeah, that score is
1: crazy, and everybody everybody copies that score now. Of course, like, yeah.
0: I mean, it, any it, it, action it,
1: movie in the world. Is doing
0: yeah, that. yeah. That everyone's doing Hans Zimmer drag for these big spy or like heist movies anyway. Um, but oh, yeah. that was one of that was another one of the first movies where I was like, I saw it in a, I saw it in the biggest theater of my hometown, like Cineplex, if you can even call it that, um, because it's so fucking small. But I saw it in like a big screen, and it was really loud, and I just felt like so immersed in it. And, like, mm-hmm. as, like, the the dreams were collapsing and, like, the, the music was, like, getting so chaotic, I was, like, oh, my God. It was, like, an experience. So that one will hold a special place in my heart.
1: And I think, honestly, if I didn't, have all of the tarnishing of all the copycat like movies that use scores like that and don't merit it dramatically they don't merit that like huge intense yeah. stress sound like yeah. i feel like movies do that and it's it's not giving me the stress and the the merit that inception did because that movie yeah. is so fucking batshit yeah that it actually yeah. deserves a score like that so I yeah, should so- stop being a bitch. It's a good score. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to like it. You, you can acknowledge that it's good and being copied and not. It's good it. and
1: important and influential. It's just, yeah. I just wouldn't listen to it on the bus, you know? Fair, fair,
0: fair, fair, fair. I mean, I don't recommend listening to it on the bus because it, literally, <laughs> it makes your reality seem crazy. it um, be full
1: of anxiety.
0: Right. So, of course, your number two is, as we discussed. The social
1: network, yes.
0: Right. Was there anything we missed or that you wanted to add?
1: No, not really. I mean, it just that Trent Reznor is like the king of electronic scores and anybody doing it right now is ripping him, him off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, agree. like all, even even the gal who just sort of who just won for Joker. Oh, is kind of doing Trent drag.
0: So, you know what's funny is I was like that is Trent and Hans's love child.
1: Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is.
0: And you know she's um I think she knows who she was um um like a sort of a collaborator of um johan johansson i think is his name he was another film score who uh passed away recently who did like arrival um sicario like all the all the villanov movies that everyone loves Mm -hmm. um they were both icelandic and um we're kind of doing that sort of like big kind of like stressful electronic um yeah yeah for sure um, okay, so my number one favorite score of all time, and I don't know why this continues to be my favorite score of all time. I think it's because it um I, I it's the one thing that it's the one score that I can remember that felt like another character. Um, and it is If Beale Street Could Talk by Nicholas Rutte. Oh, nice. I love that score so, so, so much. And I mean it's no secret that I love Barry Jenkins's movies and um am so comforted by them and find them so moving. Um, I think he's just so emotional and empathetic and his movies are always gorgeous. And the score of that movie, um, which actually lost the black Panther, speaking of Ludwig um, Gorenson. Um, uh, it, it just like, was so transportive and understood the, the, the social implication or the, the like social situation of the, the movie and um sort of gave it was like very of the time but also kind of modern it was very sweeping but also very comforting it like it did all, it had all these like dichotomies that uh were so um beautifully blended and I remember walking out of the theater thinking whoa like that score really was like the lead character of that movie mm-hmm. um and yeah I just really love it a lot
1: yeah that's a yeah. bomb one that's yeah. a good first choice Mine is also one that I don't know why it's my favorite, but it has stood the test of time, and I always think of it. It's the Pan's Labyrinth score.
0: Oh, I should have known that one, too. Yeah. I could probably guess some of these.
1: Javier. Javier Navarrete. He's an icon, too. He's worked so much in the Spanish film industry. He's a huge dude, and I just remember being so taken with how sad, but how fantastical and dreamlike the score is it's just beautiful and that movie to me transcends so many things like it could make me so sad but i feel so happy at the end of it and like Mm -hmm. it's so violent but it is essentially a fairy tale like it's just it's such a special movie and i think the score just adds to its specialness
0: yeah it's great that is a good one
1: and if you ever are walking through the woods I highly recommend listening to the Panzer. Yeah, of the
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm just remembering how good that score is. And how oh, it's so good. And how supportive it is. It really does bring it's, you there.
1: It's really grand at times and it's really small. Like sometimes it's just like one woman's voice with like a little violin and then sometimes it's like full chorus, timpani, huge orchestra. Yeah. Like it goes, it spans all of the places. Yeah. It's great.
0: Love, 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 love.
1: Love it a lot.
0: Um. Yeah, and then I had... I. I just thought of another um, honorable mention real quick. I won't go into it, but um, mm-hmm.
1: I'm obsessed. Oh, I have honorable with, mentions, too.
0: I'm obsessed with the score for In the Mood for Love, too. The Wong Kar Wai movie. Oh,
1: yes, 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 yes. Um, I have to watch that. You keep girl, posting about it, and I'm like, it looks like be. a movie made for me.
0: It, it is, like, one of the most beautiful, sweeping romance movies since the 2000s began. Um, and you that, know I love
1: Red, ugh, and that movie looks full of Red.
0: Full of Red. It's like Almodovar, but Chinese. Oh,
1: Amazing. Um, I love it. And him. that score
0: is done. That was a um, co-production of an American named Michael Galasso and a Japanese composer named Shinguro Umabayashi. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is perfection. It's like largely violin and ugh, it's just so beautiful. That's yeah. an honorable mention for me. Just wanted to say My- in real quick.
1: My honorable mentions are um, anything that Thomas Newman ever did for Pixar because they're, yeah, all, they're all spectacular beautiful. Yeah. Be- so beautiful like I cry even listening to them they're just so emotional and yeah. like just so bubbly up I love them. Mm-hmm. And then any collaboration that Dario Marianelli did with John Eves He They both did Pride and Prejudice and Oh sure sure, together. sure sure sure. I
0: was like remind me of what. Yes, 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 yes. yes.
1: Talk about walking in the woods music. They're so nice to walk yeah, in the woods, beautiful, too. Beautiful,
0: it's, beautiful,
1: If anybody likes freaking Bridgerton, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's
1: sort of like an, the same emotional yearning vibe yeah. that these songs give off. And it's set in the same time period, so.
0: Um, okay, yeah. so before we move on to soundtracks, here's a lightning round of, I posed, me and Claire both posted on our Instagram, like, what are some soundtracks and scores you love? So here's the mm-hmm. lightning round rundown of what people wrote for score. Okay, ready? Yes. Lord of the Rings, The Up Film Score. Jurassic oh, so Park. good! I know. Interstellar, out of Africa, great choice by the way. Did not expect anyone to say out of Africa.
1: Out of Africa is um, iconic.
0: Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, John Williams just really fucks me up, and I know it's the most basic, but gotta be HP. Yes, girl, me yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything Hans Zimmer? Yes, Ben. We've discussed ha- Harry Potter mm-hmm. and the Deathly Hallows Part One and Two. Yes, that is Mr. Displot. Um, ugh, did you hear that in American hard T? Displot. Um, <laughs> anything Michael Gaetano? Oh, that is he did. Good. He's the um, up guy. Yeah, yeah he, he did, did. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's
1: great. He definitely has a style. For but he's sure. Great.
0: Star Wars, Harry Potter, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Inception. So a lot of me and well, me and my followers think alike apparently um yeah. Titanic, Harry Potter. And I think and I think
1: that this just goes to show how much of a fucking stronghold exactly. these white guys yeah. have on this yeah. industry, especially it,
0: John John Williams.
1: It is convenient that a lot of them are insanely talented and that it's not yeah. just like a lot of stupid useless yeah. guys just because that's where the money and wealth is, yeah. but that's also part of it too. At least
0: they are talented. Um yeah, At least
1: they have talent and at least yeah. we enjoy their work. Yeah. You know.
0: Um oh here so one of my other like real film friends wrote um, Tron Legacy,
1: Oh Akira, Akira, oh yes, yes, and
0: Drive. Um, I had
1: another honorable mention, Drive is of a- Akira.
0: Okay, cool, we'll, we'll get there in just a second. Um, Drive is a good one because that's by a guy named Cliff Martinez who does like tons of Steven Soderbergh stuff, so I'm sure people would know his work. Um, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, Contagion, Traffic, um, and then let's see what else. Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Dark Knight, Covered Them All, Baby. Boom. Trent Naticus and Hans Zimmer. Um, mm-hmm. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Jaws or Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, which Lord of the Rings is Howard Shore, which oh, we talked about that at the beginning. Um, Interstellar. Um, let's see what else people write. Um, yeah. And I,
1: think, and I think that it's kind exactly of cool funny. that a lot of the time... Even for these movies, we may know who wrote the score, but some of them we might not know who directed them. But the score is the thing that really- That's
0: true. And the person who wrote
1: the score really sticks in your brain.
0: Right, Like, I don't
1: know who all directed every single one of the Harry Potter movies, but I know who wrote the score for all of them.
0: Right, right. (laughs) Um, Let's see, what else did people write? Um, Where were we? Hold on, I got to load the rest of them here. Um, Okay, Mm -hmm. let's see. Um, More Lord of the Rings- um, Pirates of the Caribbean, specifically At World's End. Yes, that is another yes, Zimmer score. Yes, that's an
1: iconic score.
0: Um, Star Wars Episode Five, Empire Strikes Back. Of course, John Williams. Um, your Your Dylan wrote. Um, I have been told not to blow anyone's spot, but I've been told these are not scores. But The Great Gatsby and Scott Pilgrim pop off. Okay, <laughs> great. He's actually Great Gatsby has an amazing soundtrack. He's right. Um, yeah, her. Okay, her. Arcade Fire did that.
1: Yeah, the her score is lovely. Um, uh,
0: Harry Potter, Home Alone. Uh, home, that's a fun choice. Home Alone. That is actually a really good score. Um yeah. Goodfellas. Okay, yes, Goodfellas. Ooh, Goodfellas, um, yeah. Anything by Bernard Herrmann. Come on, Hitchcock. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Jaws equals most iconic. Lord of the Rings equals my fave. Um, every movie in the Twilight Saga, Gravity, and Interstellar. So as you can yeah. see, a lot, of, um, a lot of John Williams, a lot of Hans Zimmer. Yeah, um, and a lot of repeat, like a lot of the same stuff. People seem yeah. to be on the same page with Bernard and Howard Shore.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, fun. People, Come on, followers. People know these people.
0: Good answers. Um, I love that
1: people are aware of the score writers. It makes right. me please.
0: pleased. Yes, yeah. we, lo- we love that. Okay, sis, should we move on to soundtracks? Yes. All right, let's get into it. Let's oh, wait, pop
1: off. I wanted to say one more score writer who is great. Okay, tell me is uh joe hisaishi he does all okay. of the music for the miyazaki movies
0: oh of course they
1: beautiful. Yeah, yeah, they're they beautiful they're great they're great and talk scores. about a, a positive director score writer relationship they mm-hmm. do every movie together yeah it's lovely
0: and Hal's moving castle does have a, a genius genius score
1: oh yeah and people are like now doing this thing i find that where they're doing like lo-fi versions of all of these songs because like <laughs> miyazaki movies are so like tumblr right now yeah, so they're, they they're having a things.
0: real comeback well i think it's because they've they've finally reached i actually think it's really good that they're reaching a streaming audience because yeah miyazaki you couldn't find miyazaki movies unless you had them like on dvd on or DVD. something mm-hmm. or purchased um But now that HBO Max struck some sort of deal with Studio Ghibli, like, you can watch, like, all these gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous international films, so.
1: Oh, yeah. They're beautiful. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay, girl, should we jump to soundtracks?
1: Let's freaking do it. All right, I
0: think you're up first for this one.